Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamer irradiated, ejected from its home world, and aired live every week only on the Nonproductive Network, the only place it would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio as always by Ken and Pete. Hi, Ken and Pete. Hey, Frank. Hey, Frank and Frank. On Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's mint, near mint, good, fair, and poor to you newbies. And try to guide you on what to read and what might be better to avoid all month long. Near Mint is celebrating the Man of Steel by covering all things Superman. Fresh off of Action Comics 1000, it's high time we look into some of our favorite stories of The Last Son of Krypton. I'm really excited about this, folks. It has been a while since I've read any Superman. I'm going to be flat out honest. Uh, when you guys were talking about doing this, I was probably the one person that was against it. Mm-hmm. Only being... You hate joy. Of course. Yeah. No, um... My, my thing with Superman's weird because the only thing that I can remember reading, with the exception of the number ones that came out during the relaunch of the New 52, I have not read Superman since the 90s. Like an actual Superman title since the 90s. You're just still bitter that they uh, did away with Electric Superman. I am. It's interesting. I think it's going to, let's do a little roundtable about our experience with the character and then our experience with the comic book because I think we're going to find that that's a little different. I am a huge Superman fan. I absolutely love the character. I get angry when the character isn't done uh, justice in various fictions, or, in, or especially when they're, it's dismissed. Superman is often dismissed uh, by uh, idiots on the internet who think he's too easy or too, too, you know, too powerful, too hard to write for. He's boring. He's just a Boy Scout who uh, has all the powers in the universe. I think that's lazy, and I hate those people. That being, and the movie is, uh, the movie, I grew up with that movie, the Christopher Reeves movie, uh, 1978 Superman, and all the sequels that came after it, but, full disclosure, I have not read a lot of Superman comics growing up. Really? I don't, I don't think I ha- read any mainline Superman comics. I think, I, I definitely have read uh, trade paperbacks for, for particular, like, arcs, or... Um, uh, not really just Elseworlds, but we'll get to this through the month. Just uh, uh, contained stories. I've read those over the years, but uh, it wasn't like I went to the store and picked up action comics all the time. I don't know why. I'm not exactly. I think it was just too hard to get in. And that's like my guilty little dirty secret there. Well, you know, it makes sense, though, too. I mean, growing up as a kid, I mean, the only thing that I mean, one of the things that are really, you know, right there for you are were the films and you know the the, the cartoons i mean we had the, the super friends and oh yeah absolutely and the 80s had their own at least two or three different solo superman cartoons well into the wb animated kingdom where is superman uh for the paul dini kind of oh, superman that was him. that was the best yeah and those were really amazing and that series was great so but that's that's my thing i'm a huge superman fan but i'm definitely an intro to the comic books uh which one how about you guys i i think superman is boring and Mm-hmm. Dull, you know, he's too hard to write for. I'm going to uh, turn off this mic <laughs> and then we're fine. No, uh, honestly, I, I, I generally consider Superman to be the superhero equivalent of the color beige. He's mm. he's neutral. He, he's, he serves mostly as a benchmark to me to say, you know, oh, well, you know, that guy's no Superman. Mm, you know, I... I I think the character can be very interesting and you can write some very interesting stories around Superman, but I don't think that the character that self is all that compelling. All right. That was a horrible opinion. Ah, again, um, no, uh, again, going back to the movies and everything. Uh, I think one of the biggest things for me and Superman is going to those movies as a kid and bonding with my dad, because I knew that, that was one of the one of the big times where him and I actually spent a lot of time together. Was growing up watching 
those movies together. There's a real big place in my heart, family-wise, for those things. Right, absolutely. Yeah, you know, um, and I loved the '90s run of those books. Like, like, like I said earlier, the last time I read them was in the '90s, and some iconic stories like the death of Superman, which was a big deal. Oh yeah, and we're going to talk about creators um, actually that I loved with today's episode. Right. So on this today's episode, since uh, one of the big reasons we're doing this is not only is it Superman's 80th, but also Action Comics had a big milestone a little while ago. It reached a thousand issues officially in some way. Uh, they had a uh, number, Action Comics number 1000 hit shelves. It is a, a packed book with, what is it, a dozen different stories? More than that. You know, I didn't even bother counting, but man, there's a lot. Yeah. Eleven. And, yeah, and there are... Um, Quite a few uh, uh, artists and um, writers and creative teams that have worked on Superman in the past in various ways, and they've come back to contribute to this story. It's really cool. Uh, there's also, uh, and this is a, a neat little thing that you actually reviewed for us, Pete, in an earlier episode of Near Mint, that Brian Michael Bendis' first uh, official role writing mm -hmm. for DC was in this book, in one yeah. of the stories. And uh, yeah, we're going to delve into it and go through each story at a time and talk about uh, how this milestone treats the character. And then throughout the rest of the month, I think we're going to pick some key stories that we all kind of liked or have heard a lot about and explore those a little bit further. Uh, so should we start at the beginning? Seems like a reasonable place to start. It's a very good place to start. Yeah. Uh, so from the city that has everything. It's a Dan Jurgens joint. I'm not going to do that joke the entire time, I swear. First and only time. It's happening again. I can tell. It's going to happen at least four more times throughout this list. Uh, so this is about a celebration in Metropolis, although it's kind of like this little clever way of segueing into Superman shrugging off his duties. Right. The, the, the thought of Superman rather dealing with a hostile alien invasion than whatever's going on in Earth. Than being celebrated. Yeah. yeah. Like, Superman's really humble. He's super humble. Super humble. He's humbler than any human being on the planet. So uh, my takeaway from this is I had no idea that Superman had an official son. And apparently it's a deal now in DC Comics. Oh, yes. I did not know that. So there that's yeah. how well, that's how Batman's son needed a friend. God, even that I was a little bit more aware of. I was a little bit more aware of Damian Wayne than I was of is it I almost called him Joe. John. It's John. John. After, After his Jonathan father. Kent. Yeah. yeah. That's that's clever. So yeah, I'm surprised by that. It, All right, so here's the thing. Again, not reading Superman. And knowing that there's been some weird stuff that's been going on since 52 and Rebirth and everything else, I'm like, what am I going to get myself into? And I was relieved when I actually saw that this book was written and illustrated by Dan Jurgens. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm like, again, the 90s, that was my guy for Superman. You know, mm -hmm. he, he took a lot of slack about the death of Superman and everything, but that was my guy. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Pete. Just real quick, I want to fill you in on Jonathan Kent. Okay. The Superman that we have in this book is the Superman from the universe that existed prior to the New 52. Oh, boy. So he's the Superman we all remember. Mm -hmm. uh, that universe got destroyed, and he met the Lois Lane and the son of, uh, and her son from another universe. Oh, my. And saved them, and the three of them found themselves in the New 52 universe and hid... I sincerely, every once in a while, Pete will catch us up on a story that <laughs> Ken and I have totally missed, and I genuinely hope you're wrong. No. I really do hope people on the internet are screaming at Pete right now, going, you didn't understand any of that. No, the three of them hid incognito So Lois until, uh, you know, the, the New 52 Superman died. Oh, good. 
Great. So in other words, you're telling me that Superman from our the regular continuity, the pre-New 52 mm-hmm. continuity, Somehow his survived. Lois Lane died when the universe was destroyed. Yep. And then he just found another Lois Lane. That's Cyclops level. Say, that is Cyclops. Scummy, mm-hmm. Scumbag. I'm hoping you missed something or that they've corrected <laughs> at some point because that's a little ridiculous. So, yeah, here's one of the reasons why it's hard to get into comics because this is just weird to unpack. The story itself is pretty basic. It's Earth wants to celebrate Superman and he is too super humble to do it. My favorite part about it for me is how I totally like you could tell it was lois lane on the other line when he was she was trying to get him in to be celebrated um because there's a a parade for him or what have you and he was not having it and he was trying to do anything in his power to not be in there but before you quite knew it was a celebration it just felt like superman was avoiding a date or something with lois and i'm like wow superman's a jerk (laughs) well that was a common thread a long time ago yeah so it was it was a class it was a throwback to the superman being a jerk to lois lane at the start but uh, it, it ultimately paid off in a different direction. But going back to the whole idea of the celebration and the cosmic threat that he wants to be a part of and everything, again, screams back to Dan Jurgens in that classic era. Like mm. th- this book, like this story reeled me in immediately. And everything I, uh, everything I read, I loved and was able to like relate to back to a different time. It was an interesting story. I do appreciate the celebration of Superman being a theme. It's just one that reoccurs a couple of times in this book. I'm not quite sure about it. So let's let's rank it. Quick roundtable. What do you think, Ken? Um, I was on the fence between near mint and mint, but based on the memories it brought back, I'm going to give this one a mint. Uh, based on the, uh, the the memories this brought back for me, uh, near mint. All right, good. I, you know what? I'm going good. It was a nice story. It was it was quaint. It was a little weird. And now I'm tainted forever with the, the idea that Superman was just hanging out waiting for his clone to die so he can move in on his woman or whatever the hell it is that Pete just explained to us. If it helps, he might not have known that he was from another universe. I don't know if anything helps. Next story is Never Ending Battle. Uh, I so I don't actually recognize the writer or the artist on this book. I don't. They're not a. They're not a name that pops into my head right Peter away. Peter J. Tomasi has done a lot of work with DC. Uh, he's he's actually an established writer with the company. Uh, he's, he's actually pretty. He's actually very good. Uh, interesting story though. Yeah. If 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 you recall, uh, it opens up with Vandal Savage actually capturing Superman. Right. And a matter of fact, capturing Superman and then uh, I think handling it in a very interesting way, uh, Vandal, the immortal Vandal Savage, watch yourself, Ken, uh, <laughs> hurls Superman through time. And Superman basically lives through various incarnations of his, I would say, Silver Age self uh, or Golden Age through Silver Age, like his earlier incarnations. Yeah, it goes all the way up to the modern age, too, because uh, it does eventually end up with uh, Kingdom Come. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So we've got some Superman shooting uh, gang or handling gangsters with with Tommy guns. Yep. Uh, him not being able to fly or, or or do any of his really super and being tied a, down by a bunch of Lilliputian aliens. Right. Yeah. Right. Definitely a Silver Age thing. And then eventually, uh, nothing, not even Kingdom Come, can stop this from happening. Uh, and a little little note on Frank Miller, where there's a, a Superman. Panel uh, uh, and each one of these is a full page spread for the most part. All of them are full page spreads that are very iconic. They're like this is a chapter of Superman's story mm-hmm. presented in one panel, one page long panel. I was really impressed how they did that. 
I was really impressed. I was too, but especially with uh, Patrick Gleason, the artist. Yeah. The way he captured the different eras of Superman, and it wasn't like, it was like a different style, a yeah. completely different style. Like, you, it looked like, at one point, a Frank Miller piece of artwork. It looked like something out of the 80s. Mm. I'll be honest, I was surprised to find out that there was only one artist oh, for yeah. this yeah. story. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought this is one of my, my favorites that does what I think this entire book is attempting to do, which is capture uh, capture the entirety of the Superman mythos and celebrate it while kind of giving you a new story. And I think this did it in an incredible way. I could not imagine you would, if you told me you try to summarize this, like 80 years of Superman in one part, part story, I would not have thought of it. So for me, this book is definitely a mint. I will go near mint. Um, I wish there was a little bit more, but it is the only story that gave us crypto. Oh yes, yes! Wow, we've got uh, we've got the same grouping going on. I I admire the attempt to uh, to syn- synopsize Superman's history in one story, but I thought the uh, the framing device of the birthday party was kind of uh, being late for the birthday party mm. was kind of clumsy, and overall it just didn't sit. It just didn't uh, hit home for me. I can only give it a good. Ah, oh, you people hate joy. Yep, and hope. Uh, all right. So, yeah, I mean, the, this is pretty typical of the stories we find in this book. Uh, the next one we have coming up is An Enemy Within. This is an interesting one. So Marv Wolfman, back for this one. Really cool. I had a little bit of trouble with this one. This was okay. uh, so like from a from a timeliness perspective, this is very uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, the, the idea of a teacher taking a school hostage. Yeah. That was a little bit too on the nose for a book that's up till this point was just sort of congratulatory of how wonderful Superman is to our our mythos. Uh, then suddenly we get this opening panel of a uh, hostage situation in the school. What I appreciated about the story was the fact that it really wasn't a Superman story. It was Superman narrating it uh, with him explaining why he has faith in humanity. And why he believes that, that humans and, and the earth is worth fighting for because of the fact that the, the, the teacher in the story, who's possibly the bad guy, is actually being mind controlled by Brainiac and he's not capable of, of his own actions. Right. And the fact that Superman is positive and hopeful and can see that that this guy's going to persevere and find a way to to break out i don't even know if superman actually appears in the story but for maybe the very end yeah Yeah, the last panel the last page i i actually appreciated that the the story subverts your expectations you know you you expect superman to exist in a superman story not just narrate it you don't uh you don't expect the uh the gunman to come out as somewhat sympathetic Right. Or even possibly partly the hero of it. Uh, and even the, uh, the police, you don't, uh, don't be- behave the way you necessarily ex- have come to expect the police to behave. Uh, but yeah, it's, re- it's really a story about humanity and the strength of humanity. Mm-hmm. So, Pete, what do you ra- rank this book? Uh, I'm going to give this one a near mint. All right. I enjoyed it. I was confused by the ending, though. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there was a little bit of something on that ending where I'm not sure if Brainiac was stopped or not stopped, but yeah. I, I, the narration kind of explains it. I, I, I kind of brought my own, drew my own conclusion to, to how I thought it played out. And again, I think it was just a matter of based on the last person that Brainiac was trying to control and the fact of who he was and the fact that he was able to overpower it, I think, still enforced Superman's belief in humanity. Mm-hmm. But um, again, um, I like the fact I, I'm going to give it a near min. I thought Superman was going to show up to save the day and he didn't. And I really like that aspect. All right. I, you I got, like that Superman didn't do anything. <laughs> I, I'm beginning to lean towards near mint with the rest of you. I, I think it was a valid story. I feel like it was a little clumsy in how humanity used its pluck to fight back. But of the, <laughs> all the stories in this book, I, I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to go with Near Mint on this one. I think it's probably the best one of those stories that come up. We'll find out as I remember them as I go through the <laughs> list. But yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's one of the, the, of the two major things in this story, in this collection. It's celebrating Superman for his value in the narrative. And then the other one is celebrating people for being inspired by Superman and inspiring Superman. Mm-hmm. And I think this may be one of the better ones from this. I also noticed something else about our reviews so far and we've only done a few i seem to like stories that celebrate the classic view of superman ken likes ken's preferences on things that are from the period where he really read those books and really enjoyed them and pete likes superman stories where superman doesn't show up <laughs> so that's pretty much where we said we were on in the very beginning of this that's where her we are you like the the idea of superman i like the classic like what he stands for and uh, Ken likes uh, the 90s yeah (laughs) accurate alright let's keep going how how true this holds the game the game Superman engages Lex Luthor in a high stakes chess match on Luthor's home turf yeah can I just say right from the beginning I was so disappointed that Triple H didn't show up in this oh Mm. That's a wrestling joke. Yeah. Listen to the Pro Wrestling Recap podcast. Yeah, yeah do that. You're on non-productive.com. Uh, I love the concept of this one. I really do. The fact that like it looked like Superman was just on his regular rounds, sees Luther on the roof of his building, calls him out and says, come on, let's do this. But he had a chess set with him and they were going to... It almost felt to me, I don't know if you guys uh, agree on this one, this is something they regularly did. That's what it felt like. It felt like this is yet another attempt to best each other, I and this was a game. felt like that, and that's that's the way I remembered it until I went back and reread it for the show today uh-huh. and realized that, like, Luther was completely taken aback by this. It, it they, they actually go to lengths to, to say that this isn't a regular thing. Yeah, and, and, and the throw-off, too, that, that kind of got me was the very first narration piece where it said, one day, long ago in Metropolis. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. I don't. I'm not sure why that needed to be added. But I, I don't. I, I'm going to maintain that they do these regular game offs. That it's aggressive. That it's not mm-hmm. like a bonding moment for them. It's a way of Luther attempting to beat Superman and him Superman winning. But that this was the first time they tried chess. I, I, uh, I think that's a valid reading, and I, I will definitely allow it because I like that more. Than my reading. Yeah, which is just so. Superman shows up and goes, let's do this part. She's the, oh my <laughs> God, the most shade ever. Superman saying, would you like to play chess? It's an ancient game of strategy. First of all, why are you explaining chess? Uh, as, or would you rather play Monopoly? 
And I'm yeah. like, ooh. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was pretty good. I was really like, oh, that that burns. That burns. The creative team on this, too, was Paul Levitz and Neil Adams. And Neil Adams' artwork, I mean, I, I was expecting really good stuff. And then reading it almost reminded me more of his, what, 70s or 80s run in X-Men, where I much would have rather seen him doing Professor X and Magneto playing chess, just like in the movies. Oh, yeah. It was okay. Again, great concept. I just don't think it was executed as well as I was hoping for. Yeah, that whole chess match was taken care of in about three panels. Yeah, yeah. The, it, the implication being Superman put Luther in checkmate in about two moves. <laughs> Which is a huge complaint people have with Superman overpowered. I mean, okay, wow, now over you're chess. overpowered. I, yeah. I, I guess it came down to it was a game which is a battle of wits playing chess, but yeah. then you also have the battle of wits afterwards when Luther throws the kryptonite shackles around him, yeah. and Superman's like, aha, but aha, yeah. I have a mother box, and yeah. I was able to prevent the uh, the radiation from poisoning me, and I could break out of it. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like this is a great concept, especially uh, our reading of it, where they, this is something that they just regularly do. And I want to make this clear, not friendly. It's not like they put aside, like the thing with Professor X and Magneto playing chess, I legitimately believe that they were friends at some point, and this is sort of a way of saying we're still friends, but we're still constantly at odds with one another. Wait, are you saying that, that Superman and Lex Luthor were never friends? I'm, I'm saying that it does not matter for this. We'll have to revisit that later. Yeah, exactly. But I love the concept. I do not think the payoff mattered at all. The three, chess, the three panels where uh, Luther is beaten and then the other three panels with Superman is like, yeah, no, it's a fine. I just I have a friend name dropping Scott free. I'm like, no, don't do that. <laughs> the other thing I was curious about too, again, because it says it takes place a long time ago and Lex Luthor looks like he's in a lab coat. Is this like mad scientist Luther? That's why that I that's think the they said top. why they added that a long time ago. Yeah. And also, so they don't have to tie it into what two of the other earlier stories did, which was his uh, child and uh, clone wife. <laughs> yes, I hate that. All right, not a clone. Uh, She's from another universe. For me, good. This was a good. I love the concept. I didn't like the execution. I agree. It's definitely a, a good in my book. Good. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. The car. This is going to be. I feel like it's going to be a divisive one. Um, Pete, I like your synopsis of your <laughs> your tongue in cheek jerk ass response. <laughs> Do it. Me, ever wonder what happened to that car that Superman was lifting on the cover of Action Comics number one? Me neither. All right. So yes, this is a little slice of life about this uh, that that jalopy. That's not a good word for it. That that thirties era, forties era car that is smashed in the cover of infamously smashed in the cover of Action Comics number one. We see it in a shop in the middle of nowhere somewhere. Uh, and this is a Jeff Johns, Richard Donner story with Olivier Koipel on art. Uh, all right. I'm kind of torn on this one. Uh-huh. I saw who was working on this and I had really, really high hopes. Uh-huh. And this was kind of, for me, felt like another Superman's a jerk story. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Superman was a little more holier than now trying to beat a message into the poor guy. Who got smashed? Granted, he he isn't the nicest guy, right? And there's a redemptive type of quality to the story, but it just it wasn't my cup of tea, to be honest. I expected mm-hmm. more from that group. How about you, Pete? I'm actually really curious to know what Jeff Johns contributed to this story because the whole thing felt very Richard Donner to me. 
I, I, I definitely saw Richard Donner's voice shining through a lot more than Jeff Johns. I, I also wonder what the how this was broken up between the two of them because those are two you know prolific creators but in totally different industries. You wouldn't think that like how well, did this happen? Was it a phone call between the two of them? Did they say yeah let's uh, yeah I, Donner I, pitch me the, the the story and I'll write the script? It's like I imagine Jeff calling up Donner and saying hey we want you to write something for uh, for this for Action Comics one thousand. Oh okay. Um, what should I do? I don't know. How about something about the car from the cover of the first one? <laughs> but, but, let's, but, okay. let's, but let's not forget, too, that Richard Donner does have writing credits in DC books where Superman's concerned. Oh, He's sure. written miniseries and, and, and one-offs. And, um, you know, I mean, again, I'm just wondering if the idea was yeah. the yeah, only thing I, that I came from. I think it may have been like story by Donner and, and script by Johns. Um, honestly, I love this. I really love this story. Uh, no, I never stopped to think what happened to the car and the cover of that book. I did want to know what that story was about. I don't know if it featured in that comic at all. Uh, and mostly, I love the slight nod to history. Again, that's going to be one of the things that I keep coming back mm-hmm. to. It's one of the things I like about Superman. I like the nod to history, but as a tool to tell a story with Superman. And this story is a redemptive arc for Superman or, uh, or to one of the crooks, the classic 30s era crooks who just had a bunch of knocks and he, he he tells them like listen you can and it's not a kid's glove superman that you see a lot in these stories in fact that you see earlier in this where he's praising humanity for fighting back and he's saying like my you're my real inspiration you guys may give me the courage to keep being a super alien god he's saying listen you got a, a bad life but it's up to you if you're going to be a jerk about it if not, I'll put it on a higher uh, telephone pole next time. Like, and that is classic Superman. That is that is 30s, 40s Superman who was just punching out slumlords. It's true. You know? And I love the nod to it. And I love the one panel resolution of him, the, the bad guy sort of being a better guy. Like, it's not, he was breaking the law, I find amusing. But, like, he was kind of doing a nice thing. And it was enough. It wasn't heavy-handed. It didn't have to be anything more that some of these other stories are. So, for me, definitely 100% mint on this. All right, guys, give it to me. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm going to go good. Yeah, and Pete. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't want to prove you right, Frank. But uh, but I, I, I think I got to go poor on this one. I, I actually, despite what I said in my synopsis, I well, no, I never did wonder what happened to the car. Yeah. But I think you can write a really good story with that as the hook, what happened to the car and sure. the guy driving it. Uh, I don't think that they did. Oh, yeah. Well, you you <laughs> didn't like the story is what, where you're like, rambling I, towards. I do but appreciate you know. I, I appreciate uh, the the authenticness of the take on Superman, like how he relates back to the 1930s version. Mm. Uh, but I, especially that, that one pay, panel, it comes down to that one panel resolution, which is no resolution at all to me it's what, there is no change there's just being the devil's advocate what did you think the uh what that what crime was that guy guilty of i don't know i assume something like bank robbery right and so what is the appropriate punishment for him other than ruining his car hanging him from a telephone pole and then him eventually saying you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna give kids a hydrant bath for fun it's hot i i would much rather have seen him doing some like substantial good uh, rather than 
as you pointed out, breaking the law to get some kids wet. Mm, I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's not a good enough turnaround for him. I don't know. I, I think you could, you, you've got the two edges right there. You've got the Superman does too much and too big and he's too big, too great and too powerful and too awesome and too flawless and too much of a Boy Scout and boring. Or you've got him being like, hey, I'm going to stop this thing, this human crime, and yeah. react to it in a relatively a, a reasonable, relatable way. And then that, that it's a small story that just sort of resolves. Yeah. No, I, I, and I don't have a problem with that. What my problem is, is that the redemption is not enough of a redemption. It's, it's just kind of scratching your head. Uh, I, I'm not expecting this guy to turn around and 30 years later be Senator, former bank robber. Uh, but I don't I know. I'd watch that movie. Maybe, yeah, I would watch I, that movie. I, Jimmy Stewart, we could CGI it. It's on CNN every night, Frank. Uh, but my point is, you know, maybe show him working at a soup kitchen or something. Oh, that's too yeah, something too doing boy actual good. Too boy scouty. I don't know, but we'll have to agree to disagree. Fair enough. All right. Next up is the fifth season. The Scott Snyder. Wow, interesting. Uh, Superman meets Lex Luthor at the Smallville Planetarium. This was a really odd one for me. Yeah, I love the concepts. It, Superman runs into uh, is it runs into uh, runs into him like casually while while going to the planetarium. He confronts Luther at the planetarium. Knows he has a bunch of mystical devices that might be used yeah. to look back in time or destroy a person's timeline, and confronts him about it. And we get a little bit of flashback of Luther's story, mm-hmm. which I, I, I apparently Superman and Lex Luther were friends as occasionally in many stories yeah. uh, they knew each other. As youngsters, at Smallville. Like, I was going to say this is very much the Smallville take. Yeah, I, and it predates like. Smallville. It's like up to Superboy, right? Original, not the TV. Well, the TV show and the comics. Uh, Luther was in there. There's a lot of stories. Yeah, this I don't one, know they if were, they're canonical. They were kids in grade school. I don't know if they're canonical, but there are stories even of Superboy being somehow involved in the accident that made Luther lose his hair. And often it's the vanity of that that causes Luther to hate Superman. Those are, I think, are a little ridiculous, but there's obviously some sort of head nod or hat Mm -hmm. tip to this. Um, And I like how I liked where the story was going in terms of like possibly Luther sees a early incident when he was a child and he almost died, but Superboy saved him. But he doesn't realize that. Does he not realize it? I well, think not. Because he actually explains in the story. He nearly died sending out a signal. It was just a thing that he didn't acknowledge that someone helped him. I mean, yeah. it was just, he said it was just lucky, he says, that, I, he was says just lucky he for, that I got out of it. He, in a, a rare mistake, I forgot to, uh, to reheat the liquid nitrogen that we were using. Right, and then we see that Superboy is the one who did it, which saved him from the explosion. Yeah, and, but if you look at the book and you go through a few more panels. Well, yeah, because you know, I'm sorry, you even said technically it should have blown up in seconds after I used it, but, but, I, but I suppose I was lucky. Yeah, well, I, I do. And then, and then we, at the start, Luther does ways. not remember... has no reason to believe that it wasn't just luck or coincidence that saved him. But as the story unfolds in front of him with this this mystical device he's using to look back into time, it seems as if he's witnessing a young Superboy save him. And even afterwards, they kind of both stumble. And there's a moment where Luther admits he was going to try to kill Superman. And Superman says, I know. Oh, Oh, that's interesting. I didn't read that as... I didn't read that as... 
using a device that th- that they were actually looking back in time. I, re- I re- read it as flashbacks. I just saw that only we could see. It, yeah, oh, I then, think this was. But that's he, he was that's using, an interesting read. Yeah, I think Luther is using the device to look back into time, and also is trying to entrap Superman so he could actually use it to destroy his timeline. But he stumbles upon the truth that Superman saved him at some point, and I think. That's what we're supposed to take away from that, which is a very interesting story. Mm. It's just a little awkward for me because I don't know, like, does Luther know that the young boy who was in his class was super powered? And in fact, Superman, is this a thing where he knows who Clark Kent is? It's that was the only thing that confused me. Uh, maybe it shouldn't have, but that was the only thing that made me go uh, take a little bit. Yeah, of a step I, I just, back. I just think the way that the narrative was was set up, I, I, I found it a little confusing mm-hmm. to follow, but. So now that you see it from my perspective, because I think it's a little bit like if you misunderstood it, that's one thing. But now that you kind of see at least a version of it that's closer to what's happening, I think. Uh, what do you what do you rank this book? I think it was good. But again, based on like, seeing it in a different light, I still think it could have been told better. Yeah. So I'm, I, I think I'm still going to go good on it. I'm, I feel that's a, a acceptable. Yeah. See, I think the, the the core of this has less to do with what the mechanics of the flashback are and who's aware of what. I think what it really is is focusing on, as the title says, that fifth season the, that they describe at the very beginning, that that period of a couple of weeks between winter and spring where everything's crazy and anything is possible. And I think it's just this quick look at the chaos of youth and life in general and saying that their, their relationship, Luther and Clark, or Luther and Superman, depending on how you look at it, is of such a nature that they really could at any moment flip on a dime. Mm. They could be friends or they could be enemies. And there's just that razor thin line between the two. And I think that's an actually really interesting way of looking at their relationship. And just, just, I agree they didn't explore it perfectly, but just for that concept alone, I'll give it a near mint. All right. So I have a much more boring reading of this um, compared to that. I do think it's, um, I, I think you're you're onto it. I don't really see a lot of the we're not so different, you and I, in Luther and Superman. Uh, but I do feel like this is a this was an interesting story of Luther maybe accepting that. I, I do think that Luther thinks Superman is a threat legitimately. That he has too much power and that he cannot be trusted because he himself, Luther, if he had that power, he should not be trusted. I think there's that element to to mm. Luther, um, and I think seeing Superman save him to some extent makes him hesitate at the end, and that's my that's the reading I'm choosing to go with. It conflicts with the whole. Does Luther even know that Superman is Superboy or whatever? But uh, I I don't know. I like I enjoyed it, and I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt that it was a little awkward. Because uh, they had limited pages. If it was built out a little bit more, I think it would be even better. But I'm going near mint with Pete on that one. Uh, all right. Of Tomorrow, Tom King and Clay Mann. Another very odd one. This is the way distant future. While I was reading yeah. the intro, and I'm like, wait, billions of times, and you show up once a year, is Superman narrating. And I'm like, this is taking place billions of years in the future when the sun is going. Uh, uh, supernova or, yeah. or res- whatever, and Earth is going to be consumed. Yeah. 
I had that's, a, yeah, that's a really interesting thing that Superman would live that long, but why not? I have a couple problems with this story. Yeah. Um, I like the concept, but the whole time thing and where it takes place really, I think, drives more questions that you'll never get answers to, I think. Like, part of the thing, Lois is still alive, and she's drinking an eternity formula. So yeah. how long in the future is this, and why did they decide to live for so long? I have an answer for that one. They want this story to be about Superman saying goodbye to his his roots, which is Smallville, which is Ma and Pa Kent. And if they hadn't addressed what's going on with Lois, many readers would be like, well, what about Lois? Is Lois buried next to your mom and dad? What happened with that? Do you have, what, about, what about your son? I think that was they just the reason why the eternity formula came up and you'll be proud of your grandson is exclusively to not, so they don't have to answer that question. Because that's the question I had when other, I was reading. The other problem I had, too, was he's like, well, but I could do something to prevent it. But for some reason, I just decided that it, I, I shouldn't. And I'm like, well, why? That well, Your whole purpose, you know, through all these books was that, especially throughout the, the whole theme of this book in particular, is the idea that you've always been there to save humanity. Well, and so I don't know exactly what's transpired up to this point if people are even still around. Well, they do kind of imply it, in there. Mentioned, it, yeah. It's mentioned that, you know, basically everybody just moved away from Earth. Yeah, Earth has been abandoned for, I think, a billion years or yeah. whatever. They, what, whatever, oh, a long oh, amount sorry, of time. He does say yeah. uh, for, for four billion It's a years. blink and you miss it line. Uh, again, so the, the, what they're setting up for you is that this is exclusively about yeah. Superman being willing to say goodbye to his past and leave it up to memories yeah. and move on. And uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's a very moving story. I think there's, you know, a number of contrivances that they had to do to make it work, but I don't have a problem with them. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a very touching thing. Um, it, it, it does leave a lot of open questions, but I think that's okay. I think that makes for an interesting story. I, I think this is one of the only stories in the book that addresses another big thing about the Superman fandom, which is... Um, I guess hypothesizing about his powers and where the ultimate cap is and what he can do. And I don't know why that's a big issue for people. I'm fine with like Superman, the animated series is a perfect example of he had like appropriate strength for the moment. Like he he struggled to lift a helicopter, struggled (laughs) to lift a jetliner, struggled to lift a planet. And I'm like, yeah, good, fine. Whatever. Superman's powers basically function like a sonic screwdriver. Sure, sure, sure. My friend at the time referred to it as Superman has push strength. And I think that is a like a role-playing game term, which is like he has whatever strength he needs at the moment, but he has to roll high enough. Uh, and I'm like, that's fine with me. But there's a lot of people who are like, well, if Superman can throw planets away, that means he has the power of 10,000 supernovas. And like at one point or other, the question of... At where does the alien end? You live past billions of years. Huma- humans don't look like humans anymore. And he's still in a relationship, apparently. He's <laughs> very committed. And, you know, he's just now deciding that he doesn't have to keep saving the family farm since it's mostly Ash anyways. One of the things that I did like that I thought was weird, I don't know if the comics ever covered it, but seeing it in this book and going back to the, the movies, watching him pick up the sediment, crush it into a diamond using his heat vision to create the figurine or whatever of, you know, the family. Right. And leaving it. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. 
I, my, my biggest problem with this was the uh, the fact that I'm pretty sure that uh, we have in canon established the fact that Lois Lane actually loves grape flavor things. So uh, after a billion years, she wore wore off. Yeah, I, I did not pick up on what you were talking about, Ken. I did not realize he was making a diamond. I thought he discovered like the last piece of uh of the crystals from krypton that he was like oh yeah this is a little hologram i've made i really did just totally miss you know, he, he yeah, grabs a that, hook that makes a lot it, more sense it, and you know it's all art yeah. so you know? based based on uh knowing that now frank what what rating would you give this book <laughs> uh same as before this is good i i see the benefit of the story it's it's take it or leave it though it's a little it's a little weird for superman um but uh yeah good how about you guys i would say good you know what uh I f- kind of feel like I should do it for something in this book. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give it a mint. Really? Yeah. Wow. God, a mint story. I think it's about as and Superman's pure even success. in it. Wow. Beat likes it, and Superman's even in it, although no one else is. <laughs> I take that for what it's worth. Five minutes is next. Louise Simonson. I'm so excited to see that name pop up. That's oh, really cool. I was excited about the other name on that Simonson list. Simonson and Ordway. Yeah. Jerry Ordway. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about an iconic Superman duo. Yes. It was, uh, they, they pretty much defined Superman in the 80s, right? And the 90s. Yeah. And the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, into the 90s. And this is a really classic story. Clark Kent has five minutes to finish his story, but he has a bunch of Superman things to do, which <laughs> keep getting in his way. I, uh, this is uh, perfect. This is very, oh, yeah. uh, very uh, like iconic, very classic story. Um, um, the revelation, the resolution of the entire thing that all the awesome things Superman had been doing while not doing his job as Clark Kent thereby made him have a bunch of other tasks he had to perform. That's hilarious yeah. to me. I, I, I think this is a great example of the other kind of Superman story that you can tell where it's not the constant struggle to find a supervillain who is his match or who can challenge him. But it's it's more about the situations that you put him in and when you put him into unwinnable or difficult to win situations and seeing how he handles that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this was a great example of that and should be taught in Superman writing classes. Absolutely. Right. And uh, the whole time management coming back and actually still writing the article in 90 seconds. Yep. 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 You yep. know, um, I, I'm going to give this one a mint. And part of it is also because we got Bibbo in it. Oh yeah, Bibbo. Bibbo. Bibbo's back. But he didn't mention Soda Cola. <laughs> so. Superman. I also <laughs> give it a mint for the Superman. It was just a classic story. Uh Pete, it's uh, on you. You know what? I'll give it a mint. Yay! Nice. Triple mint. I didn't mm. think I was going to, but I will. We should get our own ice cream flavor. Next, Action Land. <laughs> a Paul Dini script. That's a surprise. Not really. When no. they, the two when awesome characters. When you read it, it's like, oh, okay, it makes sense. As you slowly realize in this uh, set in the... It felt like, is this set in the future? Why is Superman dead? What's going on in this, uh, this theme park for Superman? Yeah, it's weird. Don't know what's going on. And of course, it's uh, Superman exists because uh, Mr. Mixplicsick. Mixia Spitlick. That's the guy. Uh, At least that's how they explained it in the comic, in the uh, Superman in, animated series. Which a good that Paul Dini is involved in this because, uh, yeah, that lovely duo of him and his uh, wife. His wife uh, yeah, it's just a cute little reference to a bunch of wacky stories that Superman often gets pulled into. I, I thought it was. It was fine. It was fun. Yeah, very good. I just you know, wasn't that 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 great pop out 
for me. Yeah. It was enjoyable. I, I'll give it a near mint. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm going to give it a near mint just for if you were fans of the animated uh, Superman animated series, and I assume a lot of people are using that as an entry waypoint. It was nice seeing the, this couple back. I, as soon as I realized who they were, I heard it in their voices. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, again, Paul Dini, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez do an incredible artwork. Yes, yes. Uh, the fact that it, it was a throwback, it gave me a lot of great feels. I got to actually laugh and mm-hmm. smile during this. I'm going mid on this one. Yes, and a little guest appearance from Batmite at the end. Uh, it's whoever that the Flash's guy is. Yeah, I forget. I don't know his name, but it was clearly a Flash uh, sprite. I don't know who the brown guy with the antenna is. Who is that? I would have to go back and do some research. Well, it's fine. If you know, leave a comment on this podcast. Let us know before we have to do the research. That's pretty impressive. That I, do, I do not recognize that sprite at all. Uh, if he is one of the little that one you're from. claiming is the is the Flash reminds me a lot of the uh, the genie from uh, was it Johnny Thunder? Well, we'll have to but look I don't it remember. up. So next up is faster than a speeding bullet. Brad Meltzer and John Cassidy. Um, this one is uh, an, an, another interesting one. It harkens back to the one we had earlier, where it was a police standoff. In this case, Superman knows he is not fast enough to stop a gunman's bullet before it takes out a innocent bystander. It's a story told faster than bullet time. Yeah. Um, this was a creepy, uh, another little creepy story because it does involve gun violence. I think uh, I think this one kind of is almost a replay of the, the of one we read earlier, which was An Enemy Within. I prefer this story. I, I prefer the art to a certain extent. I prefer the pacing where it's timed directly on whether Superman was fast enough to get there. Uh, and I prefer the the adage of humans are strong enough to to do this themselves or that they, they are inspiring to Superman. And I also prefer that it was less uh, timely in a way where it yeah. make me feel creepy. Uh, I enjoyed this story more. So... To answer a question from earlier in the podcast, this is the one they should get a near mid. I like this one. I also like the addition of a, a little bit of diffusing humor at the end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm gonna go good with it. To be honest, I mean, it was, it was, it's a, it's a nice little capture moment of of what his life is like in those terrible split second moments. But for all intents and purposes. It, it's that whole thing. I'm not going to make it. I know what I can do, and I'm not going to make it. And ultimately, he makes it. And yeah. I, I just, for me, it just, I'm like, okay. Um. So let me let me let me examine that a little bit because again, a big thing about Superman is he's too powerful and he can't be stopped and etc. So they gave him an out on this way where he is not going to be able to succeed. He sets the rules and says, "I can't do this." But the the narration changes things up where he is given a little bit more time. And then he's he but, is able to save but, the day, sure. But is he though? Do you remember at what point the extra time came in? Yes, when the victim, the person who was being held at gunpoint, pushes back against the barrel, giving a split second or a nanosecond or whatever it is to get Superman there in time. I, she leaned her head against the barrel into the danger, and I'm yeah. like, at that point, isn't the the bullet's already coming out? Like, how does that actually yeah, help kinda, change anything? She kind of knocks it slightly off like, yeah she knocks the gun slightly at off at one point or other we have to like suspension really suspend of disbelief because yeah. you have to suspend the ah. disbelief that that superman's good enough at math where he knows that all he's off by a nanosecond and then the other one i mean the 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 the, the fiction here is that the the narrative point is that by fighting back 
she gave an opportunity for Superman to save her. And that was the point of the mm-hmm. story. So yeah, the, the, the metaphysics. belief is actually the fact that the mm. bullet went off and that she actually had a, a chance to move her head at all. Mm. The suspension of disbelief is that there's this guy from another planet who's powered by our yellow sun and can fly faster than a speeding bullet yes. can. <laughs> if we're talking about suspension of disbelief I'm sorry, I, I, I love the creative team on it, then I change my, my, my opinion to a fair. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for you, Ken. All right. Uh, near mint. Good, good, good. All right, our last uh, story in this book, and the one that has the big name attached, uh, well, the big name for moving forward uh, for Superman, is The Truth by Brian Michael Bendis and Jim Jim Lee. Lee. Editor-in-chief. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is... uh, Only for this story, though. This is a preview story. This is a preview story for uh, Bendis and Lee's new series. I think he'll be doing no, the covers, No, actually, it's just though. Bendis' new series. Uh, Lee in, isn't going to be involved in An in interview at the end of this with uh, Bendis says that each oh, book yeah. is going to be a different artist that he That's gets to work right. with. That's right. That's right. It is in this book. Uh, so it's basically <laughs> Superman does battle with a uh, an alien that has come down to uh, avenge or wipe out Kryptonians. Well, the, the final two Kryptonians, as far as yeah, he's the last aware two, of. Superman and Supergirl, as part of a uh, promise he made to Jor-El. What? What? Yeah, I don't know, man. As a promise d- he made to Jor-El when? Ooh, yeah, sure. When he destroyed Krypton. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically, uh, so, I mean, already your mind fills in the blanks. Is Jor-El, like... A madman who said, the world's coming to an end, the world's coming to an end. And I'm going to get uh, this ugly dude to kill it. <laughs> I'm going to make sure it happens. We don't know yet. Uh, as for a preview series, I don't know if I really, I don't know if I'm invested. The little gags back and forth with the two girls in the shop who about, are saving about, him. and About his looks. About and, his and, underwear and his being underwear. on the outside. Yeah, I did not, that didn't do it for me. I, I love jokes, but I did not, that did not do it for me at all. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm hit or miss for this because I I saw the villain and I'm like, oh, is this Doomsday all over again? Yeah. Which is like, it's this, it's this new character out of Ugly nowhere. Group. He's big, hulking, and he's destroying the Kryptonians. And he is a bit more eloquent than Doomsday. That's true. This is very true. So it's a completely different character, Ken. But it's Bane. We've talked I- about going back and retconning stories. We did the whole Krypton episode a few weeks ago a few weeks or months ago when the pilots started right um but i'm actually surprised that no one bothered to tell this kind of story to go back to the idea of krypton and what happened and why it exploded in almost 80 years like no one's really gone and told a story that there was an an actual other reason for it happening which could have been done Anytime. I, I, again, back in the 80s and 90s, that could have been an easy thing to go I, back and revisit and do. I would be surprised if it never came up. I, I believe but, there uh, have been stories where the, the, the reason for it blowing up has been slightly different. Yeah, but maybe never a, maybe not a modern one, because ge- generally modern and, stories typically take, like, they're huge arcs that are not where well it's a major prov- plot point. Yeah. Uh, back yeah. in the Silver Age and Golden Age, you could always throw something out and it would be an issue or two and then it would not be addressed later. I'm, mm. not, I'm not sure about that. Um, I'm just you know, saying there's, there's different it would be different things oh well there there was a magic quake on Krypton or mm. oh no it was falling too close to the sun and then you always get things where like Brainiac was involved mm-hmm. uh, which with the animated series or what have you I, I, said, I, I said, I'm, I'm not defending it I'm just saying that I'm surprised that no one's 
decided to tell a whole story about the destruction it, and what it, caused it and it definitely what the feels real like reason would have it's been. It's the drive in in this story. Um, I, again, I'm I'm not really debating that as much. I am not sure if I really enjoyed. I mean, Superman did almost nothing in this. I, I couldn't see him. He was complimented for putting up such a great fight, but we literally only ever saw him getting thrown through buildings unconscious and then fighting yeah. back a little bit towards the putting end. Putting up a good fight consisted of catching a lot of punches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, as for a preview, I'm not so, uh, sold on it. Uh, the best I can give it is a good. Actually, I'm interested in this to a degree because I really want to see what Bennis is, is going. It got me hooked. I'm going to go near Mint because I'm going to pick up the issues. All right. I, I am completely uninterested about everything you know about Krypton being wrong again. Uh, they, they've just reinvented it so much. I, I completely disagree with you, Ken, in that, that this story hasn't been told before. I think it's been constantly told over the course of 80 years. And I, I just I wish they would go in a, a new, new interesting direction rather than rewriting the past again uh so yeah all i can say on this one is is good mm. I, th I think i might have rated it higher when i mentioned it a couple of weeks ago but upon further reflection good well part of that might be the reflection that you had rated the entire book which we really should do i think overall there's some great stories in this it's a nice little recap of of Superman, at least in spirit, if not actually what's going on in the last few years with Superman. Trust me, I just found out, and I'm not interested. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a nice little spiritual recap of the book. I think it's worth picking up if you can still find it in your local comic shop, and I'm sure you can. I'm going to go near mint. I'm going to go in, and even though there were hits and misses, as a, as a, a, a celebration of 80 years, I give this book a mint. I, I have to agree that for it's a, it's a great microcosm of the of the past 80 years of Superman. I cannot think of a better primer on Superman, even though there, there really wasn't anything that directly went into his origin now that I think about it. Uh, but this this book really gave you a taste of pretty much every take on the character uh, that didn't have electrical based powers. So uh, yeah, mint. Wow. Three mints. I said near mint, didn't I? You said yeah. a near mint. All right. Eh, good enough. <laughs> so, yes, tune in for the rest of the month as we explore a bunch of other favorite stories from Superman. And we have some guests coming up as well. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please rank, review, and follow us for more information about the wonderful things that are out there in the funny pages. Nobody calls them funny pages anymore. Do I do. Oh, all right, good. Not me. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com. 